Good morning and welcome to Let's Have the Conversation. Today I have with me Pam Iverson, the amazing host of Girls Growing Group on Facebook and Relationship Coach. And we're going to be discussing relationships. There are many dynamics, various structures, and especially how they connect with Black women and femmes because her motto is Black women and femmes first and always. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. I'm so happy to have you. Like, I love talking to you. I love being in community with you, but having this space, like, so others can hear your theologies and ideologies on life, love, and relationships is super important to me. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah, we talk a lot, you and I, and um, it's it's interesting to, to share our, our conversation with other people. I know, it feels weird now that I'm recording it. I'm like, wait. <laughs> Right. Because it comes so naturally. But now that it's recording, I'm like, oh, what should I say? Right. (laughs) But anyway, that's what it is. It's like, you know, extemporaneous conversation. And let's kind of see how we go. So basically, it's going to be dating, relationships, and partnerships. So I found it very interesting that you said dating could be easier and more enjoyable if folks learn to boundary their giving and release their attachments. Could you expound upon that? Yeah. um, I am a black woman um and i speak to and for black women primarily um if other people hear me cool if they don't cool um and as a you know a a black woman who dates men um my experience has been that women by and large um, in in heterosexual relationships are looked to to be the givers um, the investors um, we're looked to to do emotional labor um, of you know all kinds and um, you know not only that but we're expected to you know meet, you know outrageous standards of beauty at at all times um we're expected to perform um to certain societal um ideals in terms of you know what it means to be a lady or a woman um you know there's so many expectations of us that a lot of us approach dating um with the mindset you know, based on our awareness of those expectations, we approach dating with the mindset that, you know, we have to show up a certain way to be valued um, rather, than, rather than showing up as, you know, who we are and demanding, you know, the, the respect that um, is our God-given right. And, and choosing to disengage people who don't value us for who we are. Um, and when I say, you know, boundary you're giving, you know, show up as yourself and, and give just what is authentic to you to give in relationships. Give what you want to give authentically. Don't give from a place of... Um, you know, thinking that it's going to get you a certain place um, in dating or a certain place with an individual person. Um, And don't give things that you don't want to give, you know, don't 
I mean, and that's in terms of anything, you know, don't, you know, guys that ask up front, you know, can you cook, you know, don't be somewhere, you know, cooking for somebody um, thinking it's going to make them see you a certain way and value you a certain way. If that's not authentically what you want to do and what you want to give, because when you give from a place of authenticity, you can never lose and you don't end up feeling like you've, you've been used potentially. Um, you know, so that's first. And, um, you know, in terms of releasing attachments, um, you know, being, having an open mind to creating our own relationship structures that work for us, you know, being, being willing to be free thinkers and, um, you know, not oppressed or, you know, um, controlled by what others may think of us um, in terms of, you know, our partners or um, our communities. I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of societal pressure that just comes from systemic oppression in regard to how black women show up in the world, like you said, right? Like, so there's all of this, you need to look a certain way, speak a certain way. And like, so that lack of authenticity that shows up in just needing to just have my basic needs met, right? Like, so I can't even be authentically me. I can't talk a certain way, look a certain way. So black women are spending much of their lives disingenuous to self. And energy, like we're spending all our energy trying to be attractive um to whatever our dating pool is right and you know in ways that don't align with what's authentic for us right you know so we divert energy that we could use to you know heal grow and self-actualize toward you know trying to you know fit into boxes um so we can be picked right I mean, I think, and I think it does come from societal pressures because like I said, if you have to constantly be conforming to this ideal of, you know, cis, hetero, idealistic white woman almost, and you have to, like I said, speak a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way. And it's a deeper, it's more, it's deeper than just feminism, right? Like all women have to do this, but then black women have to double down on this, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, if you're too loud, you're aggressive. If your hair's too big, you're scary. And it's like, so all of this conformity. And then by the time you come to having a genuine relationship, you're so disconnected from who you are authentically. You don't even know who the fuck you are. You can't like, even show I, you up. You can't bring that. Yeah, you can't bring that to a relationship. Right. So like, how do you think that as Black women and femmes, we can deconstruct that, at least within our relationships, before we attack societal views? Like, obviously, that's a greater issue that is impacting our microcosms on relationships. But within the relationship, structures and parameters and partnerships what does that self-work look like for you it's hard right because um that requires our acceptance of the truth that you know if we are who we are and if we commit to that above anything you know, that may mean 
we won't have partnership. Wow. That's the truth that, you know, people don't want to accept. Not everyone gets married. Okay. Um, and, and, and black women have the lowest marriage rates of, of any, um, of any women, you know, so let's deal in reality here and, and understand that, you know, the relationship I'm guaranteed of is a relationship with me. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that, that's the guarantee. And so by investing in that relationship, I can never lose. Um, as a byproduct um, to, to my own focus and investment on, you know, my healing and my personal growth um, and spiritual evolution, you know, I may attract a mate, you know, I, mm-hmm. I may. And because I've been invested in this work, you know, that's an easier transition. That's a more natural aligned transition to connect with someone and just continue that work. Right. Um, and so, you know, you, you can't lose because all relationship, all relationship work is self-work anyway. Absolutely. Um, so it's just accepting that my relationship with me and my being true to who I am um, and who I'm becoming is is the priority and to not elevate this ideal of partnership and marriage above that so I'm hearing you and I love that because I think that that's, I think it's very true is that when we have an authentic relationship with self, it makes it that much easier. You know, I've been partnered with my partner on and off with our just ups and downs for almost 12 years, but it was, it became more solid when we both showed up authentically. Like when we both like, you know, I was much more free than my partner was, but I also grew up with a mixed background, right? Like I'm Irish and black. Uh, The majority of my close women friends are white women. The freedom that they have in the world is just unmatched. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't even realize how free I was in my thinking, like, yeah, of course I could do that. Like, why wouldn't I until being in more close relationships? Like I said, like within your group and girls growing with black women and recognizing how much that level of authenticity is not allowed in society. And it showed in my own partner, my husband is a black man and like just certain things like he's like, what are you doing? That's just like not correct. And I'm like, what do you mean? That's not, I don't even understand where you're coming from. Like I like, cause me, I, I'm totally open for non-monogamy. Right. And like, this was like the wildest things between um, him and his friends. They're like, what? Your wife said you could do what? <laughs> like, no, no, I don't believe you. He's like, babe, come here, tell him. <laughs> like, you know, I am like his little, like, what? That is so weird. So it's been interesting navigating those spaces. And it does help because when he realized I did not require this idea of like, I don't want to be everything you need forever, dude. The weight of that alone 
makes me want to bolt out of a door, you know? Um, it allowed him to show up in a deeper, more authentic way. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even activate the non-monogamy part of it, but the pressure has been relieved in that like, oh my God, this is it forever. And so it does allow him to show up and it does create a deeper, better partnership. Because like you said, you know, not everyone is a partner because people don't have the capacity to commit at the level that you are. Could you expound more on that? Like what does partnership look like in a healthy relationship specifically with black women and them since that's the focus? Right. I think that we overuse the word partner. Um, We overuse the word partnership. Um, From my perspective, partnership is a specific thing and it involves mutual commitment to work. If you don't have someone in your life who's helping you do the work of your life, you don't have a partner. Um, You know, your partner is not simply your friend, you know, not simply your romantic interest. Um, you know, your partner is helping you do some work in your life in a in an intentional and committed way. Right. Not just blindly and that's a mutual. Yeah. No, not just blindly going through it, but um, you know, an intentional commitment and an intentional showing up to that commitment. And, you know, not all partnerships need to be romantic. You know, I have a platonic partner and we are committed to um, supporting each other in various spiritual work. You know, that's an intentional commitment that we made to each other. And we intentionally show up to that work for each other. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think that yeah, we need to really pay attention because like even my friendships are partnerships. I'm very like business oriented mm-hmm. and like business minded, if that makes Me sense. Too. Like, Me so too. all of my relationships, like, yes, like they have an ROI. There needs to be a return on investment. Mm-hmm. Even those with my children, that's a whole other topic I want to have a conversation about um, because we do show up and like you said like we're socialized all women femmes are socialized into being these givers we just keep pouring in pouring in and it's wild that nobody expects to get anything back and more so it's so black, wild black so women wild. like since the dawn and especially of black and especially black women dating black men you wow. know the the bar is so low in terms of what we expect and what we require um in general and um you know it is wild to me um what we give for what we relative to what we accept um and, and and what we get you know I've I've often have told people um that I've had whole relationships where when it ended, like I could not look around and see anything that was given to me, you know, like literally there was nothing, no gain. There was nothing except what was gone for me, um, what I'd given. And, you know, eventually, you know, a light bulb, um, turned on and said you know yeah we're not gonna do this 
we're not going to invest in things that don't benefit us. No. That don't benefit us in intangible and substantive ways. Right. You know, not not we had good times, not I if you leave and I don't have anything but memories, um, you know, that (laughs) that that ain't it for me. Right. Um, yeah. And so I don't I I don't um engage in relationships um that don't benefit me. I hear you. So now that I want to discuss that too, is because I think that, so specifically speaking about black women and black men dating, like we are all aware that black women are higher paid, higher educated. So when we're talking about, when we start applying certain things, like just because you said benefit, and I know that you're talking about deeper than just financial. So I don't want to dismiss that. I know what you mean. Like a beneficial relationship does not only mean a financial one, but oftentimes, like when you're out here on these internet streets, you know, you start seeing that. But like the truth of the matter is systemic issues have created such a gap right yes. between black women and black men and their earning potentials and their right. education and we could totally right. have a whole segment in regard to that so right. for me like when i'm seeing it i'm like okay i get that but can we go deeper into what benefits look like because well, as higher paid and higher educated women we're gonna make more than our black counterparts and white feminism tells us like you know you should date up because white feminism is attached to capitalism and like that's easy for them to do because white men are at the top of the whole thing so usually if they're going to date up that's all you they have to do but specifically speaking to us and releasing some of those societal constructs what do you see when there's not a financial benefit what does beneficial partnership between black men and black women look like because i see a lot of frustration in black men like but like we can't do certain things like you know or these 50 50 conversations which i think is ridiculous but when we're focusing only financial benefit that's what we get so specifically within the black community and black women and men dating what does that look like what could be beneficial partnership when we take the money out of it well, th- this is a very layered conversation and, you know, there, there is a lot of nuance here because what you said, um, you know, is absolutely right. You know, there are, you know, societal and systemic barriers to um, success on various levels um, for Black people and, you know, and for black men to an even greater extent, mm-hmm. you know, so that is a reality. And that's not a reality that, you know, we can or should ignore. Right. Um, however, and um, I don't accept that black women, you know, while we can acknowledge that reality you know, while we can empathize with our brothers, you know, while we can, um, you know, be realistic about the obstacles, um, we also don't have to accept it as our responsibility to, you know, to carry men 
financially um if that's if that's you know because that's their reality and we don't have to accept the responsibility to partner with men who we don't feel whatever you know whatever our criteria for um you know being benefited or being invested in or um you know a relationship making sense to us um in in tangible and substantive ways whatever our individual criteria is for that you know we have the right to um require that or not engage people so i think you know it is both yes it, these obstacles are real for black men and also that doesn't have to be black women's problem if they don't accept that responsibility so that's the first part of what i want to say you know secondly there are you know like i said before you know we're not restricted to um old paradigms like we're not restricted to um specific dynamics and roles um in terms of gender or anything you know so whatever you know two or more people decide you know works for them whatever there are the agreements that they make together um provided you know the parties involved are living up to the responsibilities responsibilities that they've committed to then you know, that's cool. You may have a, you know, and also not all black women, you know, make more than all black men. There are plenty relationships. There are plenty relationships where, um, between black men and women where, where black men are the financial providers. Um, so, you know, I don't like to add to this you know, I don't like to add to this thinking that um, the possibility for having, you know, for being provided for only reasonably exists for white women. That's not true. It no, exists that's for not, white oh, women. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, it, that wasn't, it exists. Yeah. yeah that wasn't it my exists, intention if that's how that It exists out. for black women as well. And right. I think that, you know, a lot of times the expectation is put on black women to you know accept um less than what we may want or think we deserve in in various respects um because for reasons you know because the um you know the population of available black men you know it is less than the population of available black women and you know and there are all these um systemic um, barriers to, you know, black men's success. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, there are plenty of, um, you know, financially successful black men out there. And if that's something that is, um, a need, then you have the right to require that for yourself. Um, but you can, you know, you you can have situations where um the black woman you know who may um have a higher income you know it may make sense for the um for her partner to stay home with the kids and be 
you know, like, and that's still an equal investment, just as it would be if it was reversed, you know, but I think, you know, when we're able to let go of how we think things have to look um, or should look, then, you know, we're open to more, um, you know, more possibilities in in that regard. But yeah, by all means, if you're a Black woman and, and you're, you know, you want to be provided for financially, then, you know, hold that as a standard for yourself. It's out there. I agree. And I like that. Like, that was my whole idea is that like, back to releasing the constructs. And like you said, like the way we date, right? Like we can't, we can't ascribe our dating style to the rest of the world, right? Just because of a lot of other systemic issues, while I firmly hold and believe that black women should definitely, if that's a standard that you need to be financially cared for, absolutely hold that standard. Do not you don't need to lessen yourself in order to. Right. But I was just speaking more to the sense of like what you said, like opening Being ourselves open. up. Yeah, because yeah. you may be a, you know, and you releasing may be a black constructs. Woman. Yeah, you may be a high earning black woman um, and, and you are dating a man who makes significantly less than you. Um, but, you know, the relationship is good, you know, and he may be, you know, not able to pay your bills but you know he can fix your car and he can make sure stuff is good around your house and he can you know he he that's still a financial benefit you know it's and it's not, still an investment right it's like still that's an the investment. Greater, it's not that's the bigger partnership right and that is partnership because i'm bringing what i have to bring and you're bringing what you're having to what you have to bring and both our lives are enhanced Partnership should always enhance both people's lives. I agree. And that goes right back to what we were saying, like with the business mind, right? Because like, even if you start a business, not every potential partner has financial, right? So I may have financial capital, but this person has a skill that I don't have that would make business run better. And if we apply some of those principles to our relationships, like, yes, you know what, in my home, I'm the higher earner, but he has a greater capacity for like parenting and caretaking than I do. That's just, you know, I'm very much in certain type of person like this is what I'm doing this is that another thing and he goes more with the flow but that and is that's a partner need. that you need that's right. a partner that you need you know because at a point you have enough money and you know unless it's you know exponentially more more won't really enhance your life as mm-hmm. much as other things could there's actually been a study out that $70,000 a year is the sweet spot mm-hmm. like you know, and like, I mean, obviously more is better, this, that, and the other thing, you know, in, in I say obviously, but not necessarily, but like $70,000 a year is the sweet spot. So it's like, if you can kind of, you know, obviously as you add more kids or, you know, depending on how you budget your lifestyle out or what have you, there right. are other things that can enhance your partnership. Like you said, it's like, okay, so what if we're making all of this money, but we're not connecting as partners, you're not right. pouring into my spirit, you know, right. we're not investing in each other as individuals and dreams and conversing, you know, and that goes right back to like how the way we date, if we're just dating for financial gain and not partnership. Right. There's a problem. Partnership is a specific thing and, and partnership when it's healthy, energizes both people. That's the benefit of partnership. It energizes 
you to do the individual work of your life. It energizes you in your other interactions. You know, I, I have energy to, you know, give to um, the Black women in my life. I have energy because of the way my partner pours into me, takes so care beautiful. of me, you know, and, and renews my spirit. I do love the stories that you share about your partner because I absolutely love how the two of you love each other and so authentically because you're like so funny on social media. Like, who me? Now I'm single. <laughs> like, and you're like super duper not. And he's super duper unbothered and doesn't have this like ownership need, right? That's like, the authenticity part of it. That's like, what I'm saying. Yes, I'm just me. Like, I'm, I'm no different. Um, you know, in, in my personhood um, than before we met and I don't move differently. Right. And neither does he. And for me, right. that's that's the mark of a good partnership for me. That's a partnership I want to be in where I can still be me. Right. And like, I'm not, like some people may not know, but like I do a questionnaire prior to this just to kind of keep me on track because I love chatting and conversing so it can go off. But there, this leads me into this part where you said like many people don't understand that the freedom to create any type of relationship they want exists. And that yes. clinging to social norms and outdated paradigms sets us up for failure in relationships. It does. And if you, if you want to, you know, if you're a, a, a femme and you want to date a man that is the stay-at-home mom in your relationship and that works for y'all, do that. You know, if you are, um, you know, if you want to be non-monogamous, do that. You know, if you want to be together but live apart and that works for you, do that. Be open to whatever may work don't be attached to what you've seen that works for other people don't be attached to what your mama said you should be doing or you know what your church said you should be doing do what works for the people involved in the relationship that's all that matters so how does this show up for you? Because um, again, you're a relationship coach. So I, I would totally love, I would have loved to have met you years ago and like been coached through. I feel like my marriage would have been much more successful in the beginning times had I had a coach like you because we but did. So would mine to... have been. <laughs> so, so would mine have been. So like, you I know. love how, how does this, how do you do this with your clients? Like with coaching them, how do you help them break free of these paradigms, right? Because you don't even realize you're so trapped in these constructs. Right. How does that show up in your coaching program? It can be so hard for people to see beyond what they've seen. Um, mm. You know, there, there, get, there becomes a point where it's just kind of like a wall, a wall past, you know, right after what you're used to. And it's hard for people to you know, move that wall. Right. Um, I think that just affirming people in learning to be authentic about their own desires, their own wants and needs, their own capacities, and, you know, affirming them in 
being creative about how they may navigate relationships with that in mind. Right. You know, asking questions when I'm able to see that something doesn't seem to be, you know, in alignment in terms of um, what they say their values are and what they're doing or doesn't seem to be um, flowing naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just asking questions around, you know, why that may be. And, and, and if they could imagine, you know, what may work more naturally for them. And then, you know, doing work around, you know, deconstructing some of those belief systems that, that make people think, yeah, I would want to do this, but, um, you know, that I would judge myself, other people would judge me. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult for a lot of people to live outside of what they think is acceptable. Um, you know, I, um, I don't struggle with that a lot. Um, you know, thankfully I, I myself, I don't struggle a lot with, um, living my life around what I think other people will think is okay. Right. Um, even, even people who are, um, you know, very important to me, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really live my life for myself. You know, I don't even live my life for my kids. Um, I think that that's a really hard concept when you're speaking. It's so hard. To women and then specifically adding the layer of being a black woman or family. Yeah, and like, all the respectability and all yeah. the indoctrination, um, you know, and just like the the responsibility to community that that we feel you know it really is is hard but it's work i'm committed to doing because i think that you know personal authenticity empowers us as individuals and that can only empower our communities absolutely and i think that that's very key like me myself i do shadow work and shadow work is about that it's about everything that you've suppressed to become more palatable Right. And releasing that. Right. Because like you said, is that like partnerships take individuals. So we can't come at it as like one conglomerate of like what we're supposed to look like. It needs to be these two people or more people who are doing their own individual work and then they're able to show up authentically in whatever space. Right. Like in your parenting, in your because it's all partnerships in your relationships that are friendships, business, your lovers. You your have to show parental up. relationships, all of it. You know, like we just have to um, learn to mind our business more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, and I think that, like, when we do, like, really, um, really commit to being more authentic ourselves and let go of some of the fear around, you know judgment or whatever consequences in terms of you know it it lost relationships even lost you know professional opportunities even you know depending on the situations um you know when we're able to really inhabit our own truths we're able to extend that 
grace to other people. Right. You know, if you're really minding your own business hard enough, you don't have time to mind other people's business. Agreed. You know, yeah. Agreed. Because you're so focused on you becoming better. And that does extend yes. to your community. It, it does. does. When you are free, and like, that's like my big thing is like, I want everybody free because I live mm-hmm. so freely and so authentically. <clears throat> I just believe everybody should feel that way. Like you, you do yeah. to show up in your life as you see fit. I yes. think that releasing the idea of being selfish is selfish. Like right. I have to be committed to me i have to be committed to being the best version of myself if i'm going to show up anywhere and then other people will vibrate towards that as well yes right and um so i wanted to also ask like what advice like in coaching in life you know would you offer to somebody like if you could just sum it up in just one thing what is the main key component of living this most authentic life and having healthy partnerships i think the key thing to remember and i say it over and over again is that all relationship work is self-work focus on your self-work and focus on your self-work whether you're in relationship or whether you're not in relationship, right? you know? And so it takes you out of that mindset. If you really, you know, inhabit that as a value, it disconnects you from the, a, a lot of like limiting beliefs around like scarcity and like wasting time, um, and and fear that comes with all that um you know because how how are you how are you waiting if you're working on yourself and that's your life's work anyway like how are you how are you wasting how did you waste time in this relationship that you know didn't go the way you hoped it would go if you were working on yourself Um, And if you were just releasing the outcomes, like you said in the beginning, to release the attachment, not every single, there was another part in here I wanted to go through where, you know, we often base the longevity, right? Like, well, we were together for 15 years, but if you didn't do the work on yourself, yes, you wasted time, not because it was 15 years with this person, because you didn't spend 15 years with yourself. Right. 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 You didn't commit to the work on yourself. No relationship is a waste because we all would come out of situations and you also don't have to hold on. Like some relationships are really only, you know, I had a relationship when I was in college that was like a year and I learned so much from that. And like, right. obviously in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. We'll get married because societal views tell you that that's how that should go. Right. But dating for me during that time was great because right. I so much about myself and it was after I had been married 11 years I was with my first husband from like the age of 15 to 26 what and like I did not know like as I got older right because like now I'm almost 30 I'm like we are not the same people not at all and I don't really like you very much and I like him as a person but like there was Mm -hmm. no partnership we just were not growing in any sort of a healthy way because we just Mm -hmm. had different views on life and when you're so young like if you're like the same food and colors you just think that you could make a lifetime right but like i I I totally relate 15 to 33 for me yeah 
So, yeah. yeah, and it's wild. And then when I was single and dating and really just getting to know me and like you said, releasing that attachment, committing to the work of self, I was juggling two, three people at the same time. Right, and, it and it's all, and it's fine. You know, the, the marks, for me, the marks of success in relationship are health and growth. Yes. Um, you know, and, and longevity, you know, is great if the relationship is and the people involved are healthy and growing. And I learned more during that dating time about myself, just worrying about myself. Right. In my entire first marriage. Yeah. In so like longevity has absolutely nothing. nothing and I think, uh, and that goes back to like, when you approach relationships, um, you know, keeping in mind, you know, what you're investing as well as the return on that investment keeping in mind, you know, a priority for health um, in the relationship, a priority for personal growth, you can't lose. Like you you won't walk away feeling like you've wasted your time. You no. won't walk away feeling depleted, um, you know, but that comes from being mindful of what you're giving, you know, in the context of what you're getting, um, being mindful to prioritize the health of the relationship, being mindful that you're growing as an individual. Mm -hmm. And then every relationship is a, is a success, no oh, matter how yeah. long it lasts. I really, really love that. Because yeah, they all can be successes because you've grown and you've taken right. from that and you've become uh, like, I'm good with ending relationships, friendships, even like, I'm like, oh, right. okay. <laughs> yeah, because not everything, you know, nothing is forever. Nothing. Um, not honestly. Nothing. And that's, that's something that we don't want to, you know, accept. Um, but, but nothing is forever. Not even you. Um, no. <laughs> so, you know, this idea that, you know, every romantic relationship we have, you know, has to be for the rest of our lives or it's a failure, you know, is, you unhealthy. know, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's unhealthy and absolutely ridiculous. And it, and it's insane. Like nothing. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10 is not just statistically speaking, it's, it's not going to last no. <laughs> until, until the end. And you that's know, okay. Like and that's it's okay. perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. We do. So let me ask you, what are the best resources that have guided you along the way and this learning path of yours? I do a lot of reading. Um, you know, I I do um we could have probably a whole um a whole session on just, you know, books that I've read that I think are um beneficial for the self-work that supports relationships and partnership um and I've had a lot of therapy like I've been therapy is so key it's I so key therapy. like I don't I you know I struggle to understand like how people navigate life without it um you know I've been you know I've been in and out of therapy since my 20s um mm -hmm. like so 20 years yeah um and that it's been such a tool for me um, in terms of like really like getting clear um, 
on myself, getting clear um, about, um, you know, past trauma, healing, like a lot of, um, you know, push toward, you know, doing shadow work, um, you know, it, that's just been key for me. And also, you know, listening, um, being willing to sit at the feet of older Black women, um, you know, who may not, yeah, they they may not um, have like read the books, but they have the life experience and and the good sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned a lot, you know, I've I've learned a lot about dating um, from older Black women. Um, and also, you know, spiritual, my spiritual practice, you know, I, I pray a lot. Um, and, um, you know, my ancestors support and guide me, you know, so it's, it's been a lifetime of, um, you know, education and, and releasing. I like that. Yeah. I think that, um, we really discount elders in our communities sometimes, like, because they know so much, like, cause they could teach from a point of what, you know, we idealize like, you know, grandmas and grandpas having 80 year old like relationships. They were together 60 years, but did, have yeah. you talked to your grandmother? But, right. It, when, it, when you talk to them, like there's, I still frequently, my, and my grandmother has been, um, she's been deceased for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still like, you know, at least weekly, think back to something that she told me right? Um, in terms of like relationships. You know, she basically had one, you know, she was with my grandfather forever. Right. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all, um, it, you know, it wasn't all roses and rainbows. It never is. Far. It um, never is. It never and when is. I took the time to like really sit down and ask her questions, she was honest with me. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, and, you know, that's that's one of the things that I love about our community girls growing is that we have, you know, non-men of different ages. You know, right. we have, you know, so we're able to, you know, those of us in our 40s are able to pour into like our siblings that are in their twenties, um, and we're able that. to be we're able to be poured into by our siblings that are in their sixties mm-hmm. that are also in that community. So, um, you know, that's is um, important. That community is important. Mixed demographics are important because even the twenty-somethings, you know, we learn have, from them. Also, I learn from them. I'm like, we for real, it's them. like that out there now. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is absolutely wild who would have thought you know so I and think that inspired like, that's by them. Well. I can see I can see yeah. our evolution I yes. can see our evolution in them yeah and I have it gives me so much hope for where we're going yeah because they don't put up with half as much stuff as I would Hell no. they're like uh-uh. Hell no. and I'm like yes tell them yes I'm, I'm like you you know look at like at 26 you're where I was at 40. Right. Like, yes, you know, we're getting it together. We are, we are. And I think, I think that's very specific 
uh, again, back with like black people in relationships is like, we haven't had the freedom of navigating our relationships. I mean, yes, we just were able to get married. Two generations the, ago. <laughs> and not, yeah, because we haven't had the freedom uh, to disconnect from struggle, right? you know, long enough to even focus on ourselves in any aspect, Correct. you know, so like, we're just, you know, w- within really, you know, you know, Generation X um, and younger, Mm -hmm. um, finding the time to, you know, like really ask ourselves what are we, how we're doing, how we're doing, really have, you know, have resources to invest in therapy, Um, have resources to invest, you know, in, in ourselves, have time and mental space to sit down and read a book. Right. Um, you know, so it, it's, you know, we're babies um, yeah. in, in this process. Um, as we're about to start closing up, because you have a coaching session coming up today, Missy. I do. So I wanted to say, well, I did want to ask if you could tell your 18 year old self something, what would be what would that thing be? Um, I think that, you know, what um when we've talked about longevity in relationships and kind of um both talked about it's not the end all and be all right um what i do say about longevity in relationships and the benefit of it is that it gives perspective it gives context it minimizes you know today this week um it, it, it clarifies it as a moment. Um, and so that's what, that's what longevity does in relationships. Um, longevity in life does the same thing. When you're young um, or younger, you have less perspective. You know, you're looking back is not as far. You don't have um, as many experiences um, to use to compare. So everything that you experience is amplified. You know, it seems so much bigger. Um, At 44, I have a much higher capacity for understanding that everything is a moment um, and every moment passes. You know, nothing is as big as, you know, I thought it was when I was 18. You know, when you're 18 and everything is just like, you know, everything everything, because you don't have enough to compare it to, Um, you know, living a little life, you see that it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. It's going to be all right. It already is all right. And, you know, I think back to like how much I used to worry and stress about everything and think I wasn't going to be okay. Um, and look at, you know, I'm yeah. okay. Everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very true perspective. When you're younger, everything, it's, it's the brain development, right? We use that, like when you're younger, it's like everything, always, never. Yeah, like those right. are those big words, right? But you never let me go anywhere or I'm always feeling this way. And it right. feels like that when you're so young. And then mm-hmm. yeah, you get older and it's like, yeah, no, everything's a moment. And damn it, yeah. I get through those moments. Yes, you get through all of them. Yeah, yeah. every single one. So um, in closing, just a couple more little questions was, um, what does shift mean to you and what would you like to see in the world? 
Um, shift for me is a change in perspective. Um, I study um, Marianne Williamson uh, quite a bit. She talks a lot about A Course in Miracles, um, which I also study. Mm -hmm. And she defines a, a miracle as a shift in, per in perception. Um, and so I think of shift. I like that. Yeah, I, I think of sh that when I think of shift. It's a miracle. And, really you know, we elevate miracles to be just these, you know, out of this world, you know, once in a lifetime thing to happen. But no, miracles happen every day. And and okay. making making a miracle happen is just as easy as changing your mind. Absolutely. About something. Paradigm and, shifts are where it's at. Like if you yeah. can shift your mind, you can live a completely different life. And you can, and that's the thing you always can. You know, that's a lot of times when I feel like, you know, really stuck in my attachments and really stuck in my way of seeing a situation. And I know that like I'm causing myself suffering. Um, I just pray for a miracle. I just pray for God to help me see the situation differently. And it always comes, um, you know, so I, I, you know, I wish a lot for this world and that could be, you know, we could talk about that forever, but, you know, I would say, I wish that, I wish more people would be aware of their own power to make change yeah. simply by being willing to change their perspective and change the way they see things. That's beautiful. I completely, and this is why we vibe because like, that's my whole jam. I'm like, if you just shift your paradigm a little, yeah, that's like, all you have to do. You are really in your own way. And yeah, like, just be willing to way. be, yeah, be, and I like, I so resist at this point in my life, you know, saying what I'll never do, saying right. what will always happen. Like I don't subscribe to extremes or um or really permanence in anything like I really yeah. try to I really try to remain flexible that's not easy for me because I'm a Capricorn <laughs> um so it's it is intentional work but you know I am committed to being willing to change my mind about anything I love um, that. and it is you know that that serves me well I think it would serve a lot of people well. Well, I mean, we can go on and on because one, I just absolutely adore you, but it is um, almost time for I adore you right back, yeah. <laughs> so I want you to have a moment to breathe um, before you have to jump in and like, you know, do your thing with them. But could you let the listeners know where they could find you or book you for coaching or just like be in Girls Growing? What does that look like? How do they find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find me, um, you can book sessions on um, my website, PamIverson.com. I am Pam Iverson on Facebook. Um, and Girls Growing is a private group, but um, I think it's searchable. Um, and if not, you can message me, um, okay. message me, Pam Iverson, if you're interested in joining. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pam, for your time. And I want to have you again, just because, again, you just have such- Because we just like to talk. That's, that's it. That's it. Keep it real. 
like this having a podcast makes so much sense for me. I don't know why this hasn't happened before. I'm like, I love to talk to people, but um, you have an awesome day. Thank you for your perspective. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, and just thank you for Girls Growing has literally changed my own life and helped me shift my own perspectives. And as a biracial woman in America, being so embraced by Black women and femmes and not feeling I had to disconnect from any part of me for the first time in my life has been life-changing. So thank you for curating that space and creating it and holding it so sacred for us all. Thank you. Thank you for being in community with me. I love y'all and you especially. All right. I will talk with you later. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.